You are listening to The Effective Statisticians, a weekly podcast with Alexander Schacht and Benjamin Pieske, designed to help you reach your potential, lead great science and serve patients without becoming overwhelmed by work. Welcome to another episode of The Effective Statistician. Today it's an episode just with me. And today I'm talking about a topic that is coming across quite frequently, especially if you work on phase three publications, if you work on larger studies where multiple countries are involved. As soon as the first kind of key publications are gone, sooner or later someone will ask for by-country analysis. So to do an analysis just for the French patients or just for the Japanese patients, or just for the Canadian patients, or for just for the US patients, whoever country is in there. And sometimes people will say, ah, oh, let's pool maybe Spain and Portugal together, or the Scandinavian countries together, because they are similar. And in order to have enough uh, sample size, let's pool them. I can understand where uh, people are coming from. There are, first, there's very often the need for additional data, additional kind of buzz that people want to make in the market about the new product. And that's, you know, what others have done, so this is replicated. The other point is, of course, there's this need for additional publications and additional engagement with local uh, key opinion leaders, local investigators that have participated in these. And that's an opportunity to publish with these local ones. However, there are a lot of problems with these bi-country analysis. The first is you don't really understand what is really happening in these countries because when you run a clinical trial, the things that are happening are largely determined by the protocol, not by the health system in the different countries. Country differences are therefore mostly probably due to factors that don't necessarily have something to do with the country itself, but maybe with other factors, yes, yeah, that you can much better understand across all uh, countries. Let's say there's a difference in terms of the amount of pretreatment or age or weight or whatsoever across different countries. Then, of course, understanding these underlying factors is much, much more important. Also, if you publish by country, which countries do you publish on? Do you publish only on those? where the treatment effect is largely in line with the overall treatment effect, or only those where the, it is actually better than the overall treatment effect, or only those probably not that is worse than the overall treatment effect. And that's exactly where the problem is. Also, the, what happens if within the uh, country the p-value isn't significant, or at least for certain parameters? then that always creates kind of problems because people think, ah, oh, 
it's not consistent. Of course, it's still consistent. We all know as statisticians that it's not about the p-value within the subgroup. It's more about the treatment effect and looking into the confidence intervals and things like that. It is therefore much better to actually have a publication that speaks about all countries. Putting all countries next to each other and showing kind of how do all the different countries differ in terms of baseline characteristics, concomitant medications, these kind of things, and also how kind of the, the treatment effect is consistent across all the different countries. Because in the end, what you, of course, do very often is you randomize by country or by site within a country. And then, of course, you have lots of lots of different sub-studies. And in fact, what you run is a meta-analysis, a meta-analysis across all these sub-studies. When you usually have a fixed effect, that's, yeah, what usually happens. And that is the standard kind of way of, of looking into this data. And therefore, it makes sense to also show it in that way. But then you can have a more kind of discussion into, okay, we can see that most of the variation across different studies is driven by random variation. And maybe we can look into, okay, how is the difference across different countries? How does that relate to differences across different subgroups, for example, in terms of weight, of age, of pretreatment, of severity, whatsoever? That gives you then some kind of argumentation to say kind of, look, the French patients are largely the same as the Canadian patients in terms of treatment response. However, they might differ in terms of pretreatment or age or weight or whatsoever. And that it's much more important to look for these biological markers rather than the country. Anyway, if you run a multi-country study, you want to assume that all the different countries will largely be the same. If you can't assume that, you shouldn't include these countries in the first place. Otherwise, you always run some kind of bigger, bigger problems. And, you know, you don't want to have that. If there's really, really big differences in terms of different countries, you need to take that into account in your design, in your pre-specified analysis. You need to have some kind of pre-specified understanding about this. You need to have some kind of strategy on how to deal with it. It's the same as if you include kind of a very broad range of patients and you can foresee that certain patients will behave very, very differently to other patients. Then, of course, all these kind of subgroup discussions will come up. And here it's the same. However, of course, a passport doesn't necessarily drive any kind of biological reasoning. If I'm moving from Germany to France, just by moving, my treatment effect will not change. Of course, that is very, very different if you look into observational studies. And that is a huge difference between observational studies and clinical trials. In clinical trials, mostly everything is determined by the protocol. 
in observational studies, it is driven by what physicians are generally doing in their local practice. And if I'm now moving from Germany to France, whereas in a clinical trial nothing will actually change, in an observational setting there will be lots of changes. Maybe certain treatments become available or not available anymore. Maybe there's different training of the physicians. Maybe there's a different uh, typical pre-treatment. Maybe there's different treatment guidelines. Maybe I need to jump through different hoops in terms of access because uh, the health system is different. Maybe there's thousand other things that can happen. And that then is really, really interesting. So, whereas in clinical trials, you know, there is, I would, you know, really foresee to do some kind of by country analysis and publish it across all the different countries just, you know, to, to avoid getting into publishing for individual countries. In observational studies, there is a lot of benefit in looking into individual countries because it's really different. And it's not just the biological factors that drive difference. There's lots of lots of other different things. Now, there's also consequences in terms of how you run your clinical trials and your observational studies. In clinical trials, usually you have something like a competitive enrollment. First come, first serve. If there's a country that comes late to the game because of delayed ERB approval or because of, you know, there were not the lab kits in time or whatsoever, then that study will have usually less patients than those that come first. That's competitive recruitment. In observational studies, because you're much more interested in the local data, you might decide not to have competitive uh, recruitment. So you might want to say, well, we want to have a certain number of patients from each of these different countries so that we are able to do these within country analysis. What is the sufficient sample size here? Does it potentially make sense to kind of pool certain countries because they have a, a similar health system, like some Scandinavian countries, or maybe Spain and Portugal, or maybe other countries? So have a look into this. There's also the opportunity to answer specific local questions. Maybe there's typical guidelines, maybe there's typical treatments, maybe there's typical concomitant medications, maybe there's different algorithms that are locally applied. There can be many, many different interesting things happening on a local level where you maybe have a sub-study on a local uh, level. And that, of course, gives you then also the opportunity to engage with local opinion leaders. You have the uh, uh, opportunity to do these local uh, additional publications. Maybe there's a key opinion leader that wants to, you know, have his kind of 
scale that he wants to have, his quality of life scales that he wants to have, his kind of specific, interesting aspects that we will, he wants to study. You can have then in different countries different sub-studies on top of that. And that helps you with then working more with these local affiliates, have local additional evidence without kind of bumping up the complete study because you add these questionnaires and these additional assessments to all patients. But you add it just to the French one and something else to the Italian ones and something else to the US ones. That way you can generate lots of lots of additional insights, lots of additional evidence and make this study really interesting because you have your core parts that you collect across all the different countries and you have your different by study uh, sub-studies, uh, by country sub-studies. So, in summary, there are lots of lots of different aspects that you need to consider differently for clinical trials versus observational studies. In clinical trials, you don't really want to have different results by countries because by country analysis should mostly be driven just by differences in terms of certain biologic characteristics. In observational studies, by country differences are in itself really, really interesting. And it's really interesting to understand how certain local country requirements drive, for example, different outcomes. In clinical trials, you usually have competitive enrollment. So you don't really want to plan for country analysis. In observational studies, you may decide not to have competitive enrollment and make sure that you have sufficient sample size per country. That's a very, very short episode today just about this topic of bi-country analysis. And it's for sure something that's coming up again and again, especially if you work on phase three studies, especially if you work on medical affairs stuff. And just one last thing. Don't think that nobody will come up with this uh, request. Sooner or later, someone will ask for, can I please have an analysis just for the French patients? Because the French HTA asked for it, or the German HTA, or some kind of European leader asked for it, and then you'll be faced with this a challenge. So better prepare for these challenges that will likely come up anyway. Thanks so much. If you love this podcast, then please recommend it to other colleagues, to other statisticians that work in this field. We really want to get it across to as many people as possible because it's for free. This show was created in association with PSI. Please head over to theeffectivestatistician.com to check out the library with all the free content. Thanks to Rain and Casey, who with the show in the background, and thank you for listening. Reach your potential, lead great science, serve patients. Just be an effective statistician.